0: Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. Okay, I've got a great question here from Lisa. So Lisa says, I'm seeing a lot of not my food lookalike foods made with Brightline eating ingredients posted in the online support groups and in places like Instagram and Facebook posted by well-intentioned Brightline eaters. Could you give us your thoughts on these foods, Lisa? Yes, I can. Okay. Uh, It's a good question, Lisa. And my answer is nuanced. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, I think these foods are awful. Oh, I think, you know, what a great idea. No, it's really more complicated than that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay, so a little bit about the history. When I started this way of life 14 years ago, um, the people who taught me did absolutely put their foot down against those foods. I mean, absolutely. Um, No Ezekiel bread, even though there's no flour in it. Um, I I had a sponsor once tell me I wouldn't eat pasta because I was like, wait, there's pasta now made out of beans or whatever. She's like, I wouldn't eat pasta if the only ingredient in it was broccoli. Like, I don't eat pasta. It's like an identity thing, right? Like, I don't eat eat pasta, I don't eat pancakes, I just don't eat that stuff, right? So I don't care what it's made out of. Um, As a scientist, I can say that there's a classical conditioning um, element in the mix you know, Pavlov's dog, right? Like the bell doesn't make you salivate until it's paired enough times with the, the meat powder. I mean, it's food, but it's meat powder that they used. Um, and then now all of a sudden the bell makes the dog salivate on its own. And so when you pair the hit with like a meal of that type, um, the brain can give the response even in the absence of certain key ingredients. So even if there's no sugar and flour in it, you know, if you're sitting down to a meal of fill in the blank, right? Not my food, usually it's flour products that they can sort of emulate or whatever. I mean, I've seen, I've seen pancakes made out of, you know, oats and eggs and banana or something like that. And I've, you know, you can make whatever, you can take butternut squash and try to make pumpkin pie, you know, with some kind of like oat crust or whatever cinnamon. You can, tr- you can try, right? There's, there's pasta made out of beans. Now, so the, the scientific argument for why this wouldn't be a good idea is classical conditioning will deliver the hit even in the absence of the sugar and flour. Um, now, also through classical conditioning, if the hit actually never comes, um it'll go extinct that that addiction like if if um if my daughter Zoe got a hold of Pavlov's bell and just started running around ringing the bell, eventually the dog would would get that the gig is up and stop salivating to that bell. <laughs> so the response goes extinct if it's not ever paired um with the food right so if if there's never a hit that comes, it can actually become a neutral food so um Here's, and, and then here's the other thing is that not everybody in Bright Line Eating is a food addict and not everybody in Bright Line Eating needs to be as vigilant as some of us need to be. So that's, that's where the other sort of piece of nuance comes in. This is really a to each his own kind of thing, to each her own, to each their own. Um, for me, um, I've mostly tried to stay away from stuff like that. I don't um, – I've never tried – the foods that I mentioned, I've never tried them. I've never tried – you know, that's why I'm kind of fuzzy on what you would even make them out of. Um, And then there's sort of the issue of like, what do we think about these pictures, you know, going around and stuff? Are they triggering, et cetera? I mean, I think that I I come from both angles there. I really do think we need to try to um, de-trigger our environment um, to protect people a little bit so they have a safe place to go. I also think that it's important to be able to live in the world, because frankly, our world is incredibly triggering, Incred- and pairing some support with a little, like a lot of support with a little bit of trigger is not necessarily a bad thing. It helps people get over triggers. Like. Um, you have to learn how to get over triggers to live in this world. And we've got such a supportive online community that they're being a little triggering thing every now and then where someone can say, hey, I feel really triggered about this. Oh, I'm sorry. And, da, 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 and they can work it through. It helps someone learn to become less triggered. So I think both. I think the people who are really like blasé about their own, you know, like they, they're like, yay, oatmeal pancakes, right? It's like, it's all good to them. And they're not triggered. They're just eating that. They weigh it, they move on with their day. I think they could you know stand to be sensitive to people who are going to get triggered by that stuff and I think other people um, could stand to acknowledge that there's some growth opportunity here for them, right? So this is one of these things in the Brightline eating community is we, we cast such a wide net and we help so many different types of people with so many different situations, um, different political views, different religions, different um, philosophies about eating animal protein or not. Different philosophies about posting pictures, about not my food copycat lookalikes. And this is where I think love and tolerance is our code. Like, we have to be loving and tolerant of how other people show up, and they show up the way they show up, and what's there is there. And then it's, it's all on us. Like, how do I handle it? How do I respond? How do I get myself enough support so that I'm not eating over, you know, some, you know, some story that I'm making up in my head about you know what someone else has done to me. It's all back on us, love and tolerance of others, soul searching of ourselves. So um, back to the question at hand about the foods themselves. Um, for myself, probably out of habit and how I was trained back in the day, I don't eat those foods. On the other hand, I haven't had horrible experiences when I've dipped my toe into the foray. So I can say that I've tried the bean pasta as a matter of fact, I have packages of it. Now there's only some, of the, only some of them are good. If you're gonna look for a bean pasta, you gotta look for one that's got like 15 or more grams of fiber and protein in every serving. It's gotta be like a lot of fiber, a lot of protein. You cook it and then you use the weight for beans. Like if you get six ounces of beans, it would be six ounces of cooked bean pasta. The only ingredient has to be beans, no flour, just beans. So um, it didn't trigger me at all. As a matter of fact, I've got those packages up in my pantry, and I have never cooked them. Like, they've been there for probably a year and a half or two years now. They're probably bad. I don't know if dried bean pasta goes bad, but I just forget to make it. They don't trigger me at all. They could, but they don't. Um, So anyway, you know, I, I do think that there are cases where some of this stuff could be fine for people, and it really is a... Watch yourself and see if it works for you. Is it triggering you? Is it escalating? Is it, do you have peace around it? You know, think about the four questions. Um, Do you have peace around it? Is it messing with your weight? Is it healthy? Uh, And is it escalating? You know, ask yourself the four questions and see if it works for you. So anyway, Lisa, sorry I couldn't weigh down hard on one side or the other. It's a nuanced one. Good question though. Thank you so much. And that's the weekly vlog. And thanks for being here with me.